Hi everyone, and welcome to my sauntering podcast. My name is Paul White, and I live in a gorgeous place called Weymouth. And this podcast is a collection of saunters that were born in lockdown, but it's also got some additional stuff which is just fresh, hot off the press. praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. Good morning. Here we go. We're sauntering again. We have a challenging chapter today. Not going to lie. Morning, Kathy. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we love you and we want you to speak to us. Even through the challenging, difficult chapters of the Bible, we believe you have something to say to us. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there. And so, Lord, we ask you to unpack this for us today in a way that makes sense and moves us forward in our relationship with you. In Jesus' glorious name. Amen. Good morning, Fran and Chris. Good to see you. And good to see Forchi and Fliss. So here we go. This is a bizarre chapter today. <laughs> some there are some in the Bible. I kind of think, mm. <laughs> did that was that supposed to be there, or did it kind of sneak in? But this we'll understand why this is important as we go along. Good morning, Mary. And so verse one, it says it happened in that time that Judah. Remember, he was one of the twelve brothers who were born to. Isaac, uh, Jacob, rather, whose name became Israel, and they become the 12 tribes of Israel. And so Judah, this guy, went down from his brothers and turned turned aside to a certain Adullamite, whose name was Hira. Then Judah saw the daughter of a certain Canaanite, whose name was Shua. He took her and went into her, and she conceived and bore a son. And he called his name Ur. To Ur is human. She conceived again and bore a son, and she called his name Onan. Yet again she bore a son, and she called his name Shelah. Judah was in Chezib when she bore him. So Judah has followed in the kind of footsteps of some others and gone off to find a Canaanite woman to be his wife. Good morning, Dave and Nikki. It's he's gone down to this different region to hang out with one of his friends. And while he's there, he sees this girl whose name is Shua. He thinks, I like her. I'd like her to be my wife. So he takes her to be his wife and she conceives and gives birth to Onan and Ur and Sheila. And so he's kind of crossed the line that it never does these guys any good when they get hooked up with Canaanite women, however lovely, however attractive, whatever they may be. It always seems to cause problems. And there is this pressure on these 12 tribes to conform to the practices that are going on around them in the land of Canaan. And actually, God wants them there on purpose to be different. 
So if you have chosen to follow Jesus, he has chosen you to be different. He's chosen me to be different to what's going on around us. He's called us to stand out in a good way, like a sore thumb, because we're different, because we don't do exactly everything everyone else does, because we actually have a value system based on God's word, rather than just let's see if we can get away with it, or if it feels good, let's do it. And Judah hasn't really understood this sense of destiny and purpose that his great-granddad Abraham had, his grandfather Isaac had, and his dad Jacob. He still hasn't got that real sense of identity and purpose and so for him she's just a nice woman who he fancies and so anyway Judah took a wife for Ur his firstborn and her name was Tamar which means date palm which is like kind of fruitful and nutritious and lovely and all the rest of it and so but Ur Judah's firstborn was wicked in the sight of the Lord and the Lord put him to death wow we don't know what Ur did, but he was, he lived up to his name. He strayed. He was wicked in God's sight and God put him to death. He must have been pretty wicked because there's a lot of people around today who we kind of think they are wicked and yet God lets them live. And you wonder, don't you, sometimes. Anyway, so um, <clears throat> you wonder what, how people make the cut. And, you know, in, even in this story, you kind of think, what, what are the qualifying factors that God is looking for? It's hard to decide sometimes. <clears throat> but it says, so God put him to death. The Lord put him to death. So he was wicked. Verse six, eight. Then <laughs> sorry. And Judah said to Onan, Go into your brother's wife and perform the duty of a brother-in-law to her and raise up offspring for your brother. This is a this is a custom that was established in the time of um, by the time these guys were around. It became enshrined in law in Deuteronomy and it's called leverate or leverate um, kind of obligations and so it was leveret marriage it was it was a way that if um a brother had a wife and she remained childless or without a son and heir to carry on the name um when he when he died then his brother next in line would marry her and she would um conceive but that child that was born would then be raised up in the name of the dead brother and so that woman then would have descendants and she would have someone to look after her she would have kind of preserve the brother's name and all that kind of thing now that remained part of the um, Levitical law and so this is obviously established practice and somehow the kind of rules of incest are slightly overlooked at this point and it's quite technical. You can look into it, but it, it was a thing. And God was obviously kind of endorsing it because verse um, verse nine tells us, but Onan knew that the offspring would not be his. So whenever he went into his brother's wife, so whenever they had sex, he would waste the semen on the ground so as not to give offspring to his brother. And what he did was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and he put him to death also. 
Wow. Now, what Onan is not doing, the term Onanism has come to mean masturbation, but what Onan isn't doing is masturbating and using a woman to sort of help him get there. He's actually denying his brother's widow a name and kind of, he's denying his dead brother sons because he's got this kind of covenantal obligation to his brother, who's now dead, to carry on his name by producing sons for him through his wife or producing a son. Once he'd produced one son, that was it. The responsibility was over. But Onan knew that that had obligations on him and that somehow this son that was born might then have a share of his wealth. And he was thinking, no, I, I don't want to share my wealth with my brother's um, children, you know, who will carry my brother's name. I want that all to be for my family. And so he is, he's not being generous. He's not um, following the kind of spirit of the, the law here or the principle but what he's doing, he's outwardly saying, yes, I'm conforming to this. I'm being a good kinsman. I'm following my obligations to my dead brother. But actually, behind the closed doors or the tent curtains, he's actually deceiving everybody and cheating on this woman, cheating on his dead brother and cheating on God. And God is looking at it and says, this is not OK. <coughs> Bam, you are dead as well. Gosh, this is quite a kind of troubled story, isn't it? So he's denying. So it's very explicit here. The crime is um, not failing to complete the sexual act with the woman, but it's denying the um, offspring to his brother. Verse 10. And what he did was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and he put him to death also. Then Judah said to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Remain as a widow in your father's house till Shelah, my son, grows up, for he feared he would die. So Judah is looking at the evidence and thinking, crikey, she must be lethal. She must be a dangerous woman to have a relationship with. I'm going to protect my youngest son and say he's far too young for that kind of thing right now. You go and just <laughs> stay at a safe distance. Go to your um, father's house. Stay there as a widow till my son's grown up and then of course you know yes everything can carry on as it should but he feared that she would that so he feared that his son would die like his brothers so Tamar went and remained in her father's house now she's out of sight out of mind that is a thing isn't it when someone's not there reminding us daily going around in their black robes looking like I need a family Judah conveniently put her out of his mind and got on with his life and being the head of his little tribe, his growing tribe. And so in the course of time, in fact, shrinking tribe because they keep dying. So in the course of time, the wife of Judah, Shua's daughter, died. So Judah's own wife died. And so then that's it for him. So when Judah was comforted, so it seems that he was quite attached to her and he was grieving. And when he was comforted, he went to Timnah to his sheep shearers and his friend Hira the Adelamite. So he's gone back down to see his mate and in this region of Timnah, which is a Philistine 
um, area, certainly in the time of Samson. And when Tamar was told, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear his sheep, she took off her widow's garments and covered herself with a veil, wrapping herself up, and sat at the entrance to Anaim, Anaim, which is on the road to Timnah. For she saw that Sheila was grown up, and she had not been given to him in marriage. So she's thinking, I'm going to have to take the law into my own hands. Judah is not fulfilling his covenant or obligations to me as my father-in-law. He's not going to give me Sheila. He's now grown up. He could do the business that is required. I'm not asking him to kind of devote the rest of his life to me, just producing me a child. And he's, this is not happening. So she dresses herself, takes off her kind of garments of widowhood, which must have been like a kind of uniform that they wore. And she sets herself up with a little scheme. So she um, sits at the entrance to a name. So she sits outside the town on the roadside, kind of saying, I'm available. Now, the word for prostitute, which we'll come on to, is interesting because there's two different words used here. And when Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute. So for she had covered her face. She, she was kind of like anonymous, but there she is. And she's sitting there kind of looking available. So he thinks, ah, oh, prostitute. OK, I'm, a, I'm now a widower. Maybe I should have a bit of pleasure while I'm off doing my sheep shearing. So he turned to her at the roadside and said, come, let me come into you. Let's have sex. The language is what he's saying. Let's get it on. So for he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law. So she disguised herself so he wouldn't recognize her. She said, what would you give me that you may come into me? And he answered, I will send you a young goat from the flock. And she said, if you give me a pledge until you send it. And he said, what pledge shall I give you? She replied, your signet, that's the, your seal, which you use to kind of mark things as being authentically from you. It's like your credit card. She replied, your signet and your cord and your staff that is in your hand. And so he gave them to her and he went into her and she conceived by him. Then she arose and went away and taking off her veil, she put on the garments of widowhood. So this is a really interesting little scheme going on here. She has disguised herself, sat in a way that kind of says, I'm available. And Judah is kind of thinking, yeah, hmm, that's an idea. I haven't been with a woman for a while prostitute good you know and, and so on and so he's kind of thinking this is okay I'm away on business I can do a bit of this little warning guys when you're away on business you're still the same person as you are when you're at home <laughs> you don't stop being you just because you're away on business it doesn't mean you can do stuff that you wouldn't do at home really important life lessons right okay so there she is and he she comes so he says look listen let's negotiate so she says I, you know how are you going to pay me and he says I'll give you a young goat she says great how do I know I'm going to get the goat and she's in he says look and she says give me your seal and your staff it's like basically he's given the symbols of his tribal leadership of his authority and his identity he's basically 
giving her a really, really, really strong authentication of himself and all that he stands for as the head of his tribe. This is incredible. So he's handing over this trusted property to this prostitute as a sign of good faith that when they finished and when he's finished his sheep shearing, sure enough, a goat will rock up and she'll know it's hers and she'll return the seal and the staff and the cord and stuff. Now, the cord, it seems these seals were like a little tiny cylinder thing made of clay and they were worn around the neck. Um, and so the staff was like his kind of symbol of his authority as the head of the clan. And it's, it's all really, really important, but he's giving his identity to this woman. There's so much in this, if you want to think about it. And so she's deceived him. She gets pregnant through this act. And it's amazing, isn't it, how sometimes it's just once and that's all it takes. And other times it seems to be forever more trying. But anyway, just on this one occasion, there she is pregnant again. So she takes off her disguise when he's when her when he's, when he's gone and puts back on her outfit of widowhood. In verse 20, when Judah sent the young goat by the friend by his friend the Adullamite to take back the pledge from the woman's hand. He did not find her. Excuse me. And they asked the men of the place, where is the cult prostitute? Now the word there is Kadesha, which can mean kind of public woman. And they were like there as a they they weren't married and they yet they were able to be like a wet nurse or a midwife or indeed for sexual favours. So there was this kind of mixed role. And so there's this person who's sitting in a way of saying, I'm open for business, but not necessarily a prostitute, it seems, from that word. But he says, where is this um, woman who was at Enim at the roadside? And she's, they said, no cult prostitute has been here. So he returned to Judah and said, I've not found her. Also, the men of the place said, no cult prostitute has been here. And Judah replied, let her keep the things as her own or we shall be laughed at. You see, I sent this young goat and you did not find her. So he's thinking this is embarrassing now. They're all saying there has been no prostitute, no cult prostitute. Cult just means it's associated with pagan religion and it was somehow considered to be a, an act of service to have sex with a stranger in the worship of your God, and it's supposed to have magic powers and all the rest of it. Anyway, there was this practice going on in Canaanite. One of the things, sorry, in the land of Canaan, one of the things that God was going to judge them for, no doubt, in due course. Anyway, so he's now she's mysteriously disappeared along with his seal, his cord and his staff. She's stolen his identity. You cannot have sex with someone without giving them part of your identity. This is how it works. One flesh. Anyway, gosh, this is really, really important. And so he's thinking, gosh, if I keep hunt trying to find her, I'm going to just get more and more and more into trouble, look more and more like an idiot. And everyone in the region is going to laugh at me. So I think we'll bring the goat back home. And we'll just forget this whole sorry thing happened. Well, of course, you can't, can you? Verse 24, about three months later, Judah was told, your daughter-in-law has been immoral. Moreover, she's pregnant by immorality. 
And Judah said, bring her out and let her be burned. Can you imagine this guy who's been committing um, immorality himself? He's gone with a prostitute, is now wanting to punish his daughter-in-law for immorality. The very This is called hypocrisy. And it is still a thing, <laughs> unfortunately. It still happens even in church, even in Christian circles. And so here's this guy campaigning against his daughter-in-law when he's the one she's actually slept with gosh and he's saying right let's get her out bring her bring her out and be burned let's make an example of her bear in mind this was not in the time of the law of Moses and so as she was being brought out she sent word to her father-in-law by the man to whom these belong I am pregnant <laughs> so then she presents them with the evidence of who actually did the deed and it's indisputable and she said please identify who these are the signet and the cord and the staff then Judah identified them and said she is more righteous than I thank God thank God he actually owned up to it and didn't say oh she must have stolen them somehow oh gosh what an evil woman she's not only been out there doing naughty things but she's stolen my stuff as well at least he humbles himself Judah identified them and said she is more righteous than I since I did not give her to my son Sheila and he did not know her again now if he'd have carried on sleeping with her then that would have been an incestuous relationship but because actually technically what he'd done was fulfill the obligation that that she she was kind of needed fulfilled needed to be fulfilled but in providing her with a son somehow this is kind of okay <laughs> ish <laughs> oh my anyway so she's happy she's got what she wanted i say happy we don't know she was happy but she got what she wanted and verse 27 when the time of her labor came there were twins in her womb another twin set of siblings and when she was in labor one put out a hand and the midwife took and tied a scarlet thread on its hand saying this one came out first well it didn't it came stuck a hand out and said hi everyone I'm on my way out see you soon and then slipped back inside and <clears throat> behold his brother came out and she said what a breach you have made for yourself Therefore, his name was called Perez, which means breach or breaks out. Um, there, there, sorry, afterward, his brother came out with the scarlet thread on his hand and his name was called Zera. Now, just one little thought here, because this is the most incredible story. It's very, very twisty and tortuous. And it seems that this has been a pattern of this family so far. Lots of intrigue and scheming and so on <clears throat> to get what they want or they believe is their right. But even in the middle of all of this human strength and scheming, God is working and God is lining people up who will become the physical, biological lineage of Jesus the Messiah and Tamar and Perez and Judah obviously are all part of that lineage and so Jesus now in heaven is willing to be associated with this 
nasty man. Well, I don't know. He might have been nice, but he was a he was a mm, dishonorable guy, wasn't he, Judah? In many respects, and yet Jesus is happy to be identified in heaven as the Lion of the Tribe of Judah. Isn't that incredible? His willingness to be associated with the patriarchs Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, now Judah. My word. And there is a human lineage that traces all the way through to Jesus. We have that in Matthew, don't we, written down. Now, there is a human lineage that traces me to Jesus, not biologically, but because somebody, in my case, a Sunday school teacher, told me that Jesus was the answer for me and I could give my life over to him. I was a small child at the time. But she is part of my <coughs> human lineage that connects me to Jesus. The guy who led Billy Graham to the Lord is part of that lineage that linked Billy Graham to Jesus. And Billy Graham became the connecting point for so many thousands, hundreds of thousands maybe around the world who then went on to receive Jesus. And who are you? going to connect with and who are you going to bring to Jesus who are you going to be the one who introduces somebody to Jesus who which somebody is it that you're going to introduce to Jesus so even though Judah was very <sighs> imperfect wasn't he and Tamar was very imperfect as well and they didn't represent God beautifully all the time they may have had good days where they really did but they had times where they really let the side down and you look at yourself in the mirror and you think I'm not good enough to bring people to Jesus I'm not worthy I'm not acceptable somehow there must be better someone better qualified than me listen God has a plan for you to connect with people to introduce them to the savior and go and be strong and be bold and courageous and pursue that incredible destiny that God has for you. Have an amazing day. God bless you. Lots of love. See you soon. I am super excited to be able to recommend to you my book, The Christing. It's a whole adventure of digging deep into the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, exploring stories that may be familiar to us, but just seeing how the power and the beautiful rich treasure of the Holy Spirit is there on every single page and my desire as I share my own stories is that we would get caught up in that adventure together of a life pursuing the supernatural God where anything becomes possible when we're full of his Holy Spirit. And so my prayer for you as you read this book is that you'll get excited to embark on your own voyage of discovery with him. But more than anything else, that you would fall more in love with Jesus. So please, if you have not got a copy, do buy one. You can get it online on all the major um, online bookstores, including Amazon, Eden and others. You can buy it from Christian bookshops. And, or you can message me and get your own signed copy. There you go. But do like it and review it because that really, really does help. Thank you so much.